0: Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. I want to talk to you about heart for the house. You know, we're, we're a few weeks away from moving into our own place, which is awesome, And my prayer for the next few weeks is for us to really understand why God's given us a place. You know, we've been nomads for five years. We have used every single school in New Bedford. And now we're in Fairhaven because all the other schools are like, we don't have a place for you. Go to Fairhaven. Um, and And I've seen God in these five years. Every, every school that we've been to, God has been there with us. You know, I, listen, some of you guys may be tired of hearing this, but I will never get tired of telling the story of God's goodness and faithfulness in this place. A church of 30 people who now have over 1,000 people, that's God. That's, that's, that is God. And we're building a building without taking a single loan. That's God, my friends. But my prayer is where we get the heart behind it. This is what this message is all about. And the next few. Next week I'm going to tag team with my baby mama. It's it's Mother's Day. She's such a better communicator than I am. I'm telling you. Um, And you're going to love it for her sake. Not mine. Believe me. You're going to love it. Um, John chapter 2 verse 13 says this. It was nearly time for Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip. Hello, somebody. Cute, blue eyes, blonde hair, Jesus (laughs) made a whip. And he said, "Now watch me whip." No, I'm just. Um, he's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he didn't say that. Um, he didn't say he did it. Um, he made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. Some of y'all leave. Jesus is like, "No, I'm gonna make you leave." Like this, <laughs> I'm telling you, not to leave. Just like you're gonna leave today. Uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I have no idea sometimes. Did you expect Jesus to drive people out of church? He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers, coins over the floor. Can you imagine the scene? Turn over the tables. Someone's like, yeah. Let's do that right now. Verse 16, then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them. Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remember this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Last week we talked about love. Passion is love in action. Passion is when you have a heart for something. That's what we call this heart for the house. In other words, for passion here is zeal zeal for your house consumes me passion for God's house will consume me heart for God's house will consume me can you say amen, amen. so let me get right into it what are you passionate about family, family. anyone else want to say it what are you passionate about Jesus, Jesus. Christian living answer right there what are you? What, right. what? else are we passionate about anybody on this side passionate about something you're passionate about your church Awesome. Business. Business. Passion about your business? What is it? You're passionate about healing? Anyone else? Passion about the Celtics. (laughs) You need a lot of prayer, my brother. You need (laughs) need a lot of prayer. Jesus ain't going to help y'all. I'm just telling you right now. But we're all passionate about different things, aren't we? And we know you're passionate about something when you are consumed by it. You're passionate about something when you invest in it. You're passionate about something when you when your time feels like nothing, right? We talked about love last week. Right? You're passionate about someone when you can spend time with them on the phone going, "You hang up now, now you hang up." <laughs> what, what you doing? Nothing. What you doing? Nothing. Like girl, you must be tired. Stop it. (laughs) She'd be running through my mind all day. Right? When you're passionate about something, you 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 are consumed. It takes your time. It takes your money. Nothing shows more more you're passionate about what you spend your money on. Do you want to know what you're passionate about? Go home today and look at your bank account. and, 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 And just go down the line and see. Some of y'all, you're like, man, I'm passionate about Dunkin' Donuts. Like, oh my God. God. Passion. Love Dunkin' Donuts. Zeal for Dunkin' Donuts will consume me. Passion. Right? Passion shows. Right? And I don't mean about being loud, because sometimes you can be quietly passionate. And you can be annoyingly passionate. Right? One of my passions in life is is sports. I just love sports. I just any any sports fans in the house? who just love sports. Here's what a lot of people don't know though. Like my favorite sport is soccer. Okay. See why I don't talk to y'all about it? Because y'all ain't passionate about it. A couple of my friends over here, are. you know. But that's honestly, Warriors is not my favorite. You know, uh, Red Sox is not my favorite. You know. Patriots, Those are all like second to soccer, like the real football, by the way. You can actually use your foot. You know, soccer, football. Okay. America's got to ruin everything. Um, <laughs> it's football everywhere else in the world, you know. But my favorite team of all teams is Benfica. That's my favorite team. That's my favorite team. Like, I grew up with Benfica. I think I was a Benfica fan from the womb. I had no choice. My dad made me a Benfica fan, and I love it. I remember being small thinking about Benfica. I remember the time Benfica lost in the Champions League in Cape Verde, and I was crying like a baby because we lost. Like, I'm passionate about Benfica. I love Benfica, and I can't talk to you guys about it because you ain't passionate about it. But when you're passionate about something, it just shows, right? Soccer fans are the most passionate people you will ever meet. Let me show you a picture of some soccer fans real quick. Let me show you a picture of soccer fans. Look. It's that serious and more. Like I always tell people like, "Sports is my religion, Jesus is my savior." you know? But these people are extremely passionate. They wear it out, man. Today, all over the world, you see these guys doing this, you know, And uh, look at this look at this situation over here. Now, that's a party, my friends. I'm so passionate about soccer that. Do you know the, 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 the video that we did, Ain't No Grave, when we had those smoke stuff? And I got it from soccer. Y'all, are like, oh, Jesus gave him revelation. Oh, no, soccer did. I was like, man, if they can be that passionate about things, how about we be that passionate about Jesus and, and, and the things of God? So, my friends, what we just read is the reality that Jesus is also passionate about some things. And he's extremely passionate about church. This was a church service. And what you have to understand, I got to give you context here, is he said during Passover, Passover is the biggest Jewish holiday. It's the day of atonement, it's a day of sacrifice. And so people would converge from all over to come to the temple to sacrifice. They said up to two million people will be. In Jerusalem to sacrifice. So, so can you imagine that scene where Jesus comes and does what he does in the middle of oh, probably two million people? That's a scene. But he didn't even announce it. He came in, looked around, started doing his little whip thing. I can just imagine the disciples going, "What is he doing?" Like the sacrifice is that way. He's like, "Yo, give me a minute." And we, we don't know if he whipped anybody because <laughs> he doesn't say. <laughs> but, man, he caused a scene in that place that day. How would you like to go to church with Jesus? You never know what's going to happen. My friends, G- the real Jesus will shock you. This is not, again, I, joke, I love to joke about the blue eyes, blonde hair Jesus. That's a European Jesus that someone invented. You know, he's Jewish, most likely. didn't have beautiful shampooed hair, just, just so you know. But the real Jesus shocked the religious system of his time. So much so that if you keep reading, right after that, they're like, man, we've got to kill this guy. He's ruining our business. It's important to get the context here because this is one of those scriptures that gets taken out of context so much. People say, oh, you see, that's why church and money. No, that's not the point, my friends. The point is this. The point is they turn God's house into a business. Notice he didn't say, I have a problem with the sacrifices. He says, I have a problem with the business. That's the battle that Jesus has here. And that's the battle we still have to to, to face. Because here's the thing, my friends, any one of us can take the things of God and turn it into a personal game. You see, the thing is, we're all here, but God doesn't just check attendance. He checks hearts. God checks the heart. Right? He said, hey, don't, don't look at the outward appearance. I'm not about that. Because you, he said this, you can be singing to me, but your heart could be far from me. So this is a heart issue, my friends. It's not a money issue. Because sometimes people, could, you know, we, we confuse them. The Bible actually says that money is not a problem. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a great resource, but a terrible God. And Jesus has a problem anytime you take the things of God and turn it into personal gain, you have a problem with Jesus. You ever been up late at night around 2 in the morning and you put on TV and there's a guy going, I got a miracle for you for (laughs) $9.99. My friends, I can tell you this straight up, Jesus is not in that. That is personal gain. And unfortunately, what happens is, because we live in a confused society, we don't separate the baby from the bat water. We throw the whole thing out. We say, see, that's what everybody's doing. The problem was not the sacrifice. The problem was the means to a gain. Jesus says, my problem is, you have made this thing a business. Making money off people that are coming here to sacrifice unto God. And he destroyed the whole sacrifice thing with his life. He says, my life is going to be the ultimate sacrifice. No longer do you have to sacrifice animals because now you have direct access to God. And guess what? In a way, Jesus killed the whole business with his whole life. How, like, that's a boss. He's like, man, I'll, I'll take it from here. But my friends, today I need us to understand that Jesus is passionate about God's house. We live in a society where we separate Jesus from church but Jesus never does that. Jesus says there's only one thing I'm going to build and that's the church. Jesus, listen this is going to mess you up. Jesus never promised to build your business. But if he's at the center of your life then your business will automatically prosper because Jesus touches everything. (laughs) In your life. This is why I love this song because this song to me is 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 the is the heartbeat of why we're here. Jesus, be the center. Because if you're the center, guess what? There's a ripple effect when you're the center. Right? When you're the center, right? You know, they say the the safest place to be in a storm is in the eye of the storm. Right? Jesus is the center, right? When you're the center, then guess what? There is this automatically flow. Of course, my family will be blessed. Of course, my finances will be blessed. Of course, my business will be blessed. Of course, my city will be blessed. Of course, my church will be blessed because the center is Jesus. So you see why he was so upset about this? Because he said, listen, you have moved the center. And you put your business at the center. My friends, idolatry is when you put anyone above Jesus or anything. A relationship could become an idolatry. Going to church could become idolatry. If Jesus is not at the center of our lives. Did you see why he was so passionate? It wasn't the the building. It was the people, my friends. He knew, hey, you have distracted the people from the main thing. You're distracting them from what? From praying, he says. This house was meant to be a house of prayer. Why is this so important? Because prayer, my friends, is your lifeline to your heavenly father. And Jesus said if they come here and they sacrifice but they don't pray, it's like empty rituals and worship and traditions. It doesn't mean anything if their heart is not attached to the father that they're actually sacrificing to and you've gotten in the way of that. My friends, he's passionate about you connecting to God. That's his passion. That's why he he went to this extreme to make a point that this is not okay. You have moved the center. Prayer is the heartbeat of the Christian. Without prayer, we don't know God. Any given relationship needs to be in communication. Show me a marriage where there's no communication. I'll show you a marriage in trouble. But show me a marriage that can talk through anything. I'll show you a marriage that can get through anything. Because if you're talking, there's always hope. If you're talking, there's always healing. My friends, prayer is actually experiencing God. Prayer is not trying to get to God. Prayer is getting to God. That's why Jesus is so passionate about it, because he's like, man, if people can get to God, if you can get Jesus right, you'll get everything else right. But if you get Jesus wrong, you're going to have a hard time getting anything else right. So you see why he's passionate about it? Because he knows, man, the domino effect of prayer is that once you get that in the right place, it will culminate every area of your life. And if we get that wrong, we're going to get everything else wrong. My friends, Jesus is passionate about church. When people say things like, I don't have to go to church to follow Jesus, I'm like, you, either you're smarter than Jesus or Jesus is smarter than you. We got to make up our minds. But here's the thing, my friends. It's not about going to church. It's not the point. The point is we get to go to church. We get to be with God. We get to be with his people. We get to pray. We get to worship. We get to shout. We get to celebrate. We get to come to the altar. We get to fellowship. We get to have crews. We get to do serve the city. We get to change the city, my friends. That's what he's passionate about. He knows the domino effect. Of prayer. Because if you truly pray into God, it doesn't stay there. You have to understand why he has such a heart for church. Because he knows the domino effect on people's lives. I want to I make it clear for us today, my friends. Why we need to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. Because it affects all of us. Listen, let me, let me show you this domino effect. Or what I mean about starting with prayer at the center. Look. Prayer is connecting with God. And we know this. If you're truly connected with God, like not just ritualistically connected with God, but your heart is connected with God, your soul is connected with God, your mind is connected with God, your heart is connected with God, guess what? It doesn't stay there. It will have an effect on you internally first, and then externally it comes out of you. Matter of fact, the Bible goes as far as saying, if you say you love God and you stop there, you don't love others, you didn't never met God. The cross of Jesus shows you this. The cross has a vertical pole and a, an horizontal pole. What Jesus was doing he's saying to us, listen, I'm dying to connect you with God and then to connect you with each other. You can't have one without the other. Listen, you know someone has experienced God when they want others to do too. Look, what happens? The domino effect leads to number two. It leads to connecting with others. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and love people. You can't have one without the other. Right? And when you love others, what happens, my friends? It leads to number three. There's better families and homes when Jesus is at the center. Come on. How many people in this house would say, my life and my family is in a much better place because Jesus became the center of our lives because there's a domino effect it permeates your marriage and it permeates your children this is why joshua goes on to say us for me and my house we will serve the lord there's a domino effect that takes place it leads to healthy city economy isn't it true so many of you guys have told me you moved to New Bedford and bought a house because of the church. Who benefits when you buy a house? The whole city benefits when you buy a house. You're investing in the city. When you're invested in the city, you're investing in the well-being of that city. See, we don't talk enough about this. The power of church. There was a time in our society where they understood that every city needed healthy churches for a city to thrive. And we've grown, and we've, we've drifted from that. And we wonder why our society is in trouble, my friends. We're in trouble because the center is off. Right. We're no longer seeking God for our decisions, for our policies. There was a time where our politicians would seek God together and they would say, In God we trust. And they would pray together and they would go to God for, for, for policies and understanding. And we drifted away from that. And you wonder why all of a sudden abortion is okay and everything else is okay. Why? Because no longer do we consult God. There's a domino effect. This country has been blessed because they put God at the center. And as God's people, it is our responsibility to keep God there. The center of our families, the center of our decisions, the center of our finances. Listen, understand this. This church being here right now is helping this school. Did you know that? Here's where the disconnect is when people say it's all about money. No, no, it's a resource. Last year in 2018, we spent $90,000 renting the schools. Where does that money go? Into our city, into our school department, into our kids, my friends. There's a domino effect. But if you don't get that, all you see is the outside looking in. But when you get invested, you understand, no, there's an investment that we're making here. It's, it's blessing us and those around us. Even those that may not profess Jesus yet, guess what? You're paving the way for them to be able to come receive from God. That's how, why Jesus is so passionate about it, my friends. He knows the Domino faith. Look, it leads to productive citizens. Because when you're walking with Jesus, you stop doing shady stuff. <laughs> Can we just be honest? When you're walking with Jesus, you stop paying your taxes. When you're walking with Jesus, you're not doing drugs. When you're walking with Jesus, you're not spending on alcohol. When you're walking with Jesus, you're living right. I'm telling you, if our society would understand the power of church, and I mean healthy churches who are seeking God, who are really putting Jesus at the center and using everything that we have, all the resources, because of that passion, our time, our talent, our treasure, is being about building the God, God's house. And then that spills over into our society. You know how many people have come to this place and now are delivered from drugs and alcohol and their lives are better because of it. Understand. The implications of this is powerful. You know how many people will come out of welfare when they get right? Do you know how many people you take out of the system? Instead of sucking life out of the system, now they're putting into the system so their life can continue to happen. My friends, this is bigger than just going to church on a Sunday morning. This is about investing our lives into a city and a region. When you you get right with Jesus... You want to own stuff. Because he told you to own stuff. He loves your business. Because he knows the power of your business. He knows that if you do it right, if you put him at the center of your business, you're blessing people. You're providing jobs. You're providing opportunities. So if you have a business in mind, put Jesus at the center of it. And watch him take it and break it and bless it and multiply it so that lives can be transformed. Listen. Here's a business principle. If you go to business to make money, you will never make it. But if you go to business to help people, you will make money. Trust me, because God will bless it. I can't stress this enough. It was never about money. Because you understood money is a resource, but a terrible God. Can I prove it to you? In the temple, he was watching people give. He didn't have a problem with people giving. He had a problem with the motives. Watch this. Look. Look, Jesus watching people give in church. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Do you understand? <laughs> Doesn't have a problem with giving. He has a problem with abuse when it's being used for personal gain. But he knows that tithing and offering is powerful because it's how you get the mission flowing. It's how you help people. And isn't it fascinating that we're building this place, 1.2 million, without taking one loan. Why? Because we all said, Jesus, we're here. Like, we're passionate about this. Use us for your glory and for your honor. but if you're not in the game you're just a critical voice outside I love sports but you ever seen people who never played the game they know everything but they never played it's like how would you know But you never played Monday morning quarterbacks you know them like i like to see you in the pocket you have a split of a second to make a decision but you knew exactly what you were going to do no you'd be sacked like 20 times you wouldn't even be able to say huh you'd be so scared why don't you see the linebackers in front of you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, is you know quarterback, you know height and, and okay, all right. <laughs> go, go back to go back, go back. Let, let's continue that domino effect. Listen, it leads to more people getting helped. You know why? Because you would never not help others when you meet Jesus. Matter of fact, you know what Jesus said? This this is really powerful. He said. He said, the poor, you will always have with you. But I want you to feed them. In other words, he's saying, I'm giving you the responsibility to help those who can't help themselves in this moment. But guess what? You do that enough, that person now will be rehabilitated. And hopefully, prayfully, the domino effect happens. Because when you get helped, you want to help somebody else. Are you tracking? This is powerful, my friends. This is not just a Sunday morning thing. This is a life. This is why he's like, man you guys have to go back to the center of this thing and know why we do what we do. Listen, and then a new normal in that region begins to happen. Man, listen, call me a dreamer, but I really believe with with all my heart that we are helping to change the spiritual landscape of this region in Jesus' name. I really believe it. Every person that gets saved, we're changing the landscape. Every drug addict that gets free, that's changing the landscape. Every person that buys a house, you're changing the landscape. Every marriage, you're changing the landscape. Every 15-year-old who comes to Jesus, we're changing the landscape. So please, don't reduce this to just a Sunday morning thing. That's missing the point. We're changing the landscape of a region, one soul at a time, one family at a time. One block at a time. One serves a city at a time. Last week, a man came up to me in tears. He said, I'm homeless. But you guys came to me. And now I found a home church that my my family can go to. That's changing the landscape. I don't like it when people call it charity. It's not charity. It's Christianity. It is being Jesus' hands and feet in a very selfish society. He says, I want you to be selfless and see what I can do with a bunch of people who would understand the heart behind the house. So he's given us a headquarters for what? To do more of this. Yeah. So now that money that we, we would put into the school, now we're going to put into our own mortgage and, be, and develop what we're doing and grow and, and have babies. I believe we're going to have babies in this church. We're gonna have a church in Taunton. I believe it with all my heart. That we're gonna spread this thing in Jesus' name. We, we listen. We can't help everybody, but we're gonna help somebody in Jesus' name. Heart for the house, my friends. It's exciting. It's awesome. The passion is for people. Prayer is what connects people to the heart of God. So as I conclude today, I want to challenge us with these five things about having a heart for the house because it's for people. In the next few weeks, we'll talk more about this. But I want to give you homework before I give you these five things because we got to do this together. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about a man who understood this and went to a city to change it. A name named Nehemiah in the Bible. We're going to take a few chapters the next few weeks. Here's what I would like for you to do to, from this Sunday to next Sunday. Can you go and read the book of Nehemiah? Just read four chapters. Because I know some of y'all, the way you're reading is set up. <laughs> you're like, you mean four chapters, Pastor? Like, Yeah, like one on Monday, one on Wednesday, one on Friday, and then two on Saturday. We can do that. Can we do that? Four chapters. But I want you to see the heart of a man who understood this and how he changed the landscape of his city. And I believe this with all my heart. I tell you this every week. you got to personalize the Bible when you read it. I believe there are Nehemiahs in our midst who are called. First of all, you see chapter 1, he starts with prayer. What blows my mind about Nehemiah, he's never been to Jerusalem, but he had a heart for Jerusalem. You don't have to be from New Bedford to have a heart for it. Matter of fact, I didn't want to move to New Bedford. Hello, somebody. And now I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's my favorite city in America. You talk bad about New Bedford to me, I'll put Jesus on hold. I'm passionate about our city. We're going to change our city. In Jesus' name. But, but here's what it takes, my friends, as we end here. I, I, please, please write this down. Take this seriously. All of us can have this heart and this drive. We can change things. Look, it starts with prayer. I already talked about that. It's, it, that's where you get the heart of God. Sometimes you even have to pray, God, give me the heart. Like, I need you to stir up my heart. I really believe that today you brought that 15-year-old to, to stir up your heart about him and what he cares about. Listen, invite others to come meet Jesus. You know why? Because the domino effect has to happen. If you keep it to yourself, you're religious. And when you meet Jesus, you know, the, you know what he can do in a person's life. There's no way you can go to work tomorrow and see a friend struggling through life and not give some kind of hope in Jesus. To say, man, I was going through stuff and this is what Jesus did for me. God invite others. That's how we're going to change our city. city has 100,000 people in it. Did you know that? 100,000 people in the we we're just, we're just scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface, I believe. God. Now, of course, when I say that, I mean like Capital C Church. I'm meeting with other pastors. We're, we're praying about these things. Because it it takes more than one church to do this. It takes multiple churches to do this. We serve so others can see Jesus, my friends. I love getting the reports from Southern City on the weekend. What Jesus is doing behind prison. At the Douglas Academy Youth Home. In a laundromat. We go and help people do laundry. And we meet them there. My friends, when you're serving in a team, you're you're setting the table for others to come meet Jesus. Don't, don't get settled on a chair. You got to pick up your towel. You got to, you got to put your hands to the plow and say, Jesus, I need to serve too. Because you didn't come to be served. You came to serve so that others can see you. Amen. Listen, we give to sustain the mission. That's what drives resources. It's to sustain the mission. It's not about personal gain. Our team is coming back from Kenya right now. You know, that, that, you know what it takes to go to Kenya? Resources. To go help those orphans. Every month we send money to Kenya to help that school run. To pay for the salary of these teachers so We don't make any money. My friends, we give to sustain the mission of what Jesus wants to do on this earth. And then we connect so we, we can all grow together. I can't stress crews enough. I can't because I know for a fact Jesus says that he doesn't do this on his own and he doesn't call you to do it on your own. We need each other to do this. We need to, to, to pray together. We need to have our heart together. Listen, if you, if you can commit to two things, Sundays and a crew, I'm telling you how far we will go together. And we made sure we have 65 crews. There's got to be one for you and if you come up to me today you're like yeah but I'm a unicorn we'll have one trust me cause you know there's always that one person who thinks they're so unique that no one else understands them we'll, we'll make a crew for you you and your imaginary friends we'll make sure that you guys have a crew you ever hear people talk like that no I understand. how would you know you ever talk to anybody <laughs> you ever been vulnerable with anybody how would you know Majority of times when we say that, we've never had an actual conversation with people. But we had a lot of conversations with our own little mind. It's like, you got to take chances, my friends. Fellas, she won't know. She doesn't have a crystal ball. You better walk up to her and say Hi. Yeah, I heard. I saw a great meme this week. <laughs> I, <laughs> he says, "He says this is how Christian people flirt. Oh, yeah. They go up to you and go, hey, you you staying for second service too?' Because <laughs> <laughs> I really love the worship. <laughs> Can I worship next to you today? Is that? <laughs> I'm trying to help people. I'm That's trying. It. There's couples crews, co-ed crews, youth crew. Listen, there's crew for new believers. There's crew for those who are struggling with, with drugs and alcohol. Judgment free. Listen, we love you. We want you free. We want you to be delivered. We want you to be completely the person God wants you to be. I'm going to end here. I'm going to read a, a psalm to you about the heart for God's house. Listen, I told you how they used to come to passover and they would travel some of them would travel for days to get to jerusalem because back in those days you know there was no uber and so they would make it a thing where it would be caravans remember when jesus was 12 and mary lost jesus and you're like mary was a bad mom no it wasn't that it was a caravan of people hundreds of people that's why jesus got lost but he didn't really he was in the temple But look at this, right? I love this psalm, but I'm going to customize the psalm for us today. Psalm 122, about going to God's house. Look, David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are standing inside your gates. Oh, New Bedford. New Bedford is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of the United States of America, the Lord's people, make their pilgrims there. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord, as the law requires of the U.S. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the di- dynasty of David. Pray for peace in the south coast region. May all who love this city prosper. I don't know if you know this, but go check the history of New Bedford. used to be one of the wealthiest cities in America. Come on, let's bring that back in Jesus' name. Oh, New Bedford, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord, oh God, I will seek what is best for you. Or New Bedford? Can you say amen? Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.